Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobio Kugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their filtered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by designer, footballer, creative, Marcus Mobucks Hairston. Peace, uh, peace. <laughs> how you feeling? Uh, we'll be getting to know all about Mo, his transition from footballer to designer, and everything in between. Uh, Mo Bucks is someone that I've been connected with, but I haven't had the chance to like formally meet him. So excited to have him on the podcast, um, our show, and like hear all about what you got going on. So uh, sure. first things first, uh, two truths and a cap. Yeah. Well, first up, Mo, how you doing, man? Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah, Pleasure appreciate you for having me. Likewise. All right, for sure. So one thing that we do when we start every show, we play an ice record game called Two Truths and a Cap. So this is a game where you'll tell us three facts about yourself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. And uh, Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. So right now, Moby is down bad in the standings. So hopefully, you know, this will be a chance for him to get up. So whenever you're ready, you know, go ahead. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> so you said two truths and one lie. Yep. <clears throat> Let me see. Let me see. I guess I'll start as uh, hamburgers is my favorite food. Um, Barcelona probably be my top club. And my favorite brand would be Adidas. Oh. Damn. I'm going... Adidas is the cap. Yeah, okay. I think I might go Adidas too. Just because I've never seen, I ain't really see you wear too much Adidas. You work for right. Nike, Saucony. So, yeah, I would probably say that's the cap. I actually had two caps. I just thought about it. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, I never had a hamburger too. So that could make it interesting. Oh, what? You never had a hamburger before? Ever in my life. Yeah, it's crazy. Really? It's funny as a conversation started whenever I meet anybody. You know, I don't eat beef or pork. Um, so, steak is one of the ones that I literally just tried. Probably last year was with some of the homies in Miami, uh, my Latin brothers, and they got on the grill and they, you know, introduced it to me. I took a try. It was decent, but not my fave. But uh, before then, I had never had steak either. So uh, I would say, yeah, hamburger I never touched. It's crazy. Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah, because you're from like Mississippi. So, like, you know, that's interesting. Interesting story. Yeah, man. And I, I probably wouldn't say ever. It could have been a situation. Maybe I tried it as a toddler and I didn't mm -hmm. really respond to it at great. So since then, my parents just never fed it. You know, obviously they like it. My brother, he loves it, enjoys it, but it's just nothing. You know, it never really been in my register. So since then, maybe two, three years old, I haven't, I haven't touched one. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. All Thanks. right. So yeah, let's get right into it. Obviously, you know, I just asked like, you know, stated that you're from Mississippi, but not a lot of people play or on paper uh, play mm -hmm. soccer from Mississippi. So when did you fall in love with soccer? How did it come into your life? Yeah, man, I think we have one of the most interesting stories in the States. I don't think I really fell in love with it until I reached maybe like 10, 11. It's a little bit later, but I, I developed it and started playing early. So I started playing at three. My brother started playing at four. A lot of the guys that was within the organization, we really started playing around the same time. So early, like, 90s is when we kicked it off. Um, granted, we wasn't that great until we developed, you know, 10, 12 years later in the career. Uh, but it was, a, it was a means to get us out the streets. It sort of came as opportunity for uh, after uh, school or program uh, situation where our commissioner introduced it to it. He came from Nigeria. <clears throat> and, you know, we all went to... Uh, 
private school, New Hope Christian School. So after then, we were in school around 1.30, 2.30, and um, the commissioner just took us to a local park. And, you know, I remember running around, picking up daisies, flowers here and there, but really had no knowledge about what soccer was. Mm-hmm. I remember he brought a lot of soccer balls out, uh, giving us the opportunity, just kicking around, playing some dodgeball, kickball, whatever you you know, have you. And then around like three, four years later is when the organization actually started. So it went from just private school organization to uh, the club, which was Central Jackson Soccer Organization, um, acronym CJSO. And we had probably like 15 to 20 teams, men and women uh, throughout the entire club. Um, unfortunately, right now, maybe two teams left. Um, two guy teams left, which we just put one guy, uh, Colorado Rapids, Dion. Shout out to him. Uh, he just had his first training session with the, the men's team. Um, so it was super interesting, man. Another another cool, you know, fact or features is, you know, we had one of the all-black club, the, one of the you know, primary uh, all-black uh, clubs in the United States for the maybe eight, nine years. And we didn't really notice it. That was a thing until maybe 2003 or four, where we went to a tournament. I think it was in Georgia. Atlanta had a showcase there, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And we saw a club to resemble, you know, us exactly. So that was super, super thrilling and interesting because we never had seen that many black people unless they were from the islands or, you know, uh, foreign countries that sort of looked like us. And that team, if I'm not mistaken, was from Atlanta as well. And then later on, we found one that was in the Baltimore, uh, D.C. area. So it was pretty cool because we would go to certain tournaments, uh, college showcases, Dallas Cup. Tampa Bay show uh, showcase, uh, Disney showcase, and we would be like the only team there. But when we get to those elite tournaments, Nike Cup, things of that nature, Dallas Cup, we would see teams from Jamaica and South Africa and Brazil that would come yeah. through, and we would just stare at each other like, "Yo, those guys look like <laughs> you know." It's pretty sick. So, but we would get questions in the airport like, "Yo, you guys, what what basketball team you play for? You know, what yeah. football team? What high school?" Uh, granted, we had a soccer ball at our feet dribbling through, you know, throughout the airport. You know, we just have to let them know, like, now nah, we just we just happen to play soccer. We're good at basketball, though. We could probably push your ass in football. But, yeah. you know, our, our, our passion was football at the time, um, soccer. So that's pretty much how it started. And, you know, shout out to that experience for sure. No, that's a, I love that you said that because when you think about it, when you see, like, you know, young, you know, black men or women, you're, you're immediately thinking AAU. Um, but in your case, it's uh, soccer. Do you think that camaraderie and that cohesiveness as you guys were developing and growing older helped you guys all stay in the sport? Or- oh, yeah, for sure. It was it was more one of those situations, more just a family-based thing. A lot of the individuals that may, uh, didn't have a, a career within soccer, we still, you know, family now, still cool, we still keep in contact. A lot of them marry, you know, family, kids, whatever the case is. Uh, but it definitely created a sense of camaraderie. You know, we had each other's back on the field, off the field, if there was any issues within the cities or, you know, anything like that. And I think that sort of resonated with a lot of us. Um, so football has a tendency to do that. Um, no matter the country you're from, the state you're from, you know, you just keep those relationships that last literally forever. So Perfect. So did this, like, entice you guys to, like, learn more about soccer from the standpoint of, like, following teams on TV and, like, all right, who came from Mississippi to go pro ahead of you guys because you guys kind of were doing it on your own? Uh, yeah, I think that developed again a little bit later. Once we <clears throat> formed, we had select teams and then we sort of combined and condensed some of the, the better players from certain teams to one to try to make like a traveling team at the time. We didn't have academies, uh, you know, in the early 90s, 2000, that came on later. And then once we noticed that we were just a lot more physical and, and you know, physical capable and, and just talented than a lot of other organizations and teams within the state, we started to sort of take it a little bit more serious. Once we would go to tournaments and play, 
you know, those teams that had more resources, the better coaches, the better facilities than us, like, you know, Inner Black, Dallas FC, uh, you know, Solar FC, you know, they had it structured from top to bottom. So they really just enticed us to really get on our A game. So, you know, from then, uh, we had better coaches that came around. They were attracted to the club, you know, so we got a lot of coaches from like the islands, Trinidad, Cuba, Brazil. And I think that's pretty much that sort of catered and helped our playing style because we had a unique style, which we modeled after these guys. So some of our, you know, we started to watch the World Cup and found key guys and teams that, you know, we really wanted to play and resemble. Some of those teams were like Brazil, obviously, and, you know, Jamaica and yeah. South Africa at the time, JJ culture. So uh, Nigeria. So, um, you know, we took that and ran with it, man. And I think that sort of helped develop us as, as the players. Yeah. Wow, that's what it's all about. So can you talk about your journey? Because I know, I mean, you know, we talked offline a little bit before uh, we recorded and, you know, you still play a little bit, but, you know, let people know, you know, you used to do this thing for a little bit. Yeah, man. A lot of people don't know until I get on the field. You know, even when I go and play pickup, whenever I move to a certain, you know, city or so, I, I probably like the last one to get picked up. You know, I don't speak too much. I, you know, when I get on, then that's when they want to exchange info. Like, hey, where'd you play? And the conversation starts, but which is cool. I get it. Um, yeah, man, like I said, throughout club, I, I didn't really develop and grow until like um, maybe 12 or 13. I was always small. I was probably like four, eight, five foot max all into like junior, senior year high school. So, um, you know, I did. I played my part. I was, you know, string man and came off the bench and gave my minutes. And once I actually started to grow a little bit height wise, I reached like five, 10, five, 11. You know, the game just became a little bit easier. So and I remember it uh, specifically like going into my junior year high school. I don't know. I just was able to read the game a little bit better and it just slowed down for me. And then just, you know, really taking it serious, going to ODP camps and trying to get original regional pools, things of that nature, doing some personal training. Uh, you know, I just really wanted to take my talents to the next level. So um, I think after junior year, high school, senior year, after the tournaments and you get knocks at the door and, you know, letters sent to the to your house from all different universities that you grew up watching just because of basketball. You know, I think one of my my favorite schools, even to the day, was Chapel Hill. Um, I didn't have a chance due to grades to, to get accepted full scholarship. My brother did, um, but you know, my grades are pretty good. Um, I, I did what I had to do. I think it was like 3.0, 3.2, kept it average. But my focus and my passion was obviously football. So um, having a good showcase at Disney and, and Dallas Cup landed me a few scholarships. I end up taking a few. Uh, visits uh, and I end up getting sold uh, University of Cincinnati, go Bearcats, 2006. Um, so that's pretty much what really, you know, drove me. Uh, but it was tough having to go away from home at an early age. I entered at like 16, um, turned 17 a little bit later on in the season and coming top 100 you know, players in the country at the time, according to stats and ratings um, within like club soccer, my whole mission was like, I, I'm coming in, I'm going to start, I'm going to play, I'm going to the MLS a year, whatever the case is. And it didn't really happen like that. I had to pay my dues. I had guys a little bit senior, you know, seniority uh, ahead of me that played a lot more. One specific shout out to my boy Kwame Sarkoti, his brother. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, brother Indiana, the whole nine, you guys probably know I'm familiar yeah. with him. We played the same position. I actually got recruited as like uh, a center mid. So not necessarily a six or eight. I was like a hybrid. I wasn't directly a 10, but I was super crafty. So, um, you know, I, I got tucked in the middle and I ended up getting converted to a winger later on in college. So since he recruited me as like a left and right mid. Um, so Kwame was left footed. So I had to, you know, wait my turn. But, um, you know, it, it, it worked out, you know, I had a chance to get a few assists and some goals. And then what really hurt me was I think it was 2006 
I guess played because I was still like 16, 17 at the time. I went back and played with a, a local club, which is like three hours away from where I'm from. Uh, I think it was Tupelo FC. And um, they went, they were at Disney, if I'm not mistaken. Went back and guest played with them and had a life-changing injury. Told my ACL. Uh, it was like 3-2 finals. If we would have won, it would have gone through. I remember going up for a header off a of cross. Keeper came out, punched me, split this off, went crazy. And I came down and just landed, and I just felt the impact. You know, I tried to walk it out, but I knew something wasn't there. I didn't have that structure and stability. And from then, they shipped me home immediately. Uh, shout out to, to the, the university for paying for that. It got expensive. Uh, but that whole fall season, spring season was tough because, you know, it was cold. It was snowing. Yeah. I wasn't used to that, obviously. And um, having to walk around campus with crutches didn't do me well. So, you know, I just stayed in the house, played FIFA, and was just, like, upset at the world for a while. And then from there, my grades started to drop, you know, because I wasn't going to class. You know, I was just so upset. Um, and then it, it caused me to spring – pardon me, next year, uh, I was ineligible. And I was still dealing with that injury. I was probably, like, seven months in, getting almost back 100%, which I never got. And um, just had issues with the coach and staff, things of that nature. Played a season and not um, – Ended up going back home to some other issues. And I went back home in 2007 or 8. Um, went back to a JUCO locally. I didn't play. I just went. My mission was to go get my grades back up, get healthy again, and, you know, and reach out to some clubs and universities uh, that I could try it again. Um, so that's pretty much what I did from, like, 2007, 8-ish. Um, had a few opportunities at Buffalo University where a few of uh, we had some transfers from my university and went. UNLV had my guys at UAB, and at the time it was a little bit late in the season. They didn't have a lot of scholarship money, so I end up. I remember just being on social media. Met met this girl. Shout out to Janet at the time. She would always post pictures of like the beaches and the vibes. I'm like, yo, where's she living? This is crazy. I need to get there. <laughs> um, long story short, she was in Miami. So I'm looking at every university in Miami. I'm looking at UM. I'm looking at D2 schools, Barry University, which they were super raw at the time, and um, I, I found out about FIU. And which, you know, they're doing well right now. They're like number 12, 11 right now in college soccer. So shout out to the guy. It's funny enough because the head coach is Adrian. Um, I actually went to go visit when he was playing in Coastal Carolina. So the fact that he's taking over that university and doing some good things, shout out to him for that. But um, I ended up committing there, man. Um, at the time, coaches was Matias Asori and Munga Akitebi, which is, I think he's on the, uh, the club side of uh, Inter-Miami. Um, they accepted me in open arms and it was pretty dope. You know, like I said, the weather was amazing. The, the women were amazing. I had no worries. My grades were back up to par. We was playing some good footy. It was, it was, it was a cool situation because the international fact was definitely new playing with yeah. guys that maybe two or three of them speak English, you know, first language may have been uh, Portuguese or Spanish or French. And I'm like two out of the, maybe the other 18 individuals that speaks English, you know what I mean? So it was dope. It was a cool experience. And I think from there, that pretty much led to my growth. Um, had a few opportunities afterward with a few uh, MLS teams. And when I traveled with uh, Portland Timbers in like 11, 12, and then I had a uh, preseason with FC Dallas. I had to get chose for either one of those teams and uh, ended up a few uh, combines. I went to MLS combine, but I didn't play. I was there with the year where Sean Johnson was there. He didn't play. He was a stud. He was just yeah. chilling in the back, you know, watching like, oh, I'm about to go first round. This is no, you know what I mean? No, no biggie. So I was there, uh, helped out there. And that really just really did something with me, with, with my confidence of, because I'm viewing it from the sideline, like, yo, that should have been me. That could have been me. What am I doing wrong? And um, after then, entered a few more combines and I got 
went, you know, did the whole PDF thing with a few teams, USL, went on a few trials. And I um, I think my professional rank started around, like, I went on trial with uh, Atlanta Silverbacks. It was before the league collapsed in ASL. So, you know, I had a chance preseason with them and I ended up staying around. And I think after I didn't get the full contract or the contract just wasn't what I really wanted, That that's when my career sort of began to pivot a little bit. I had to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. My mind, I just wanted to play footy. But, you know, getting 22, 23 later on the career, you know, dealing with personal issues and family, it's like, you know, pushing you to go get an office job or whatever the case yeah. is. It was tough, man. And they heard me for like two years. I'm like, yo, it, it has to be a way out. So got an agent, was speaking to clubs over in Australia and, and parts of Asia, um, but nothing really worked out. And um, ended up getting a job, man. And I had no clue what I was doing because the only job I had prior to was probably hustling at the crib with a referee. You know, I can yeah. easily go, you know, have my license then and go ref some high school and club games. But, um, you know, I, didn't, I had to detach myself because I was still close to the game. Um, no, I, I feel you. That's a that's a great discussion in terms of like, you know, that transition for a lot of professional athletes. But what I want to ask you um, for anyone that's listening, like what advice would you have for someone that's going through that adversity of, you know, the ups and downs of a, a young career and, you know, how to develop? Because you mentioned it wasn't until your junior year of high school where you felt like it all came together. So right. You were doing some different things to like, you know, work on your development and then any advice you have from like how to handle adversity standpoint. Yeah, man, just got to be consistent with it. You know, it's not going to come overnight. Like I said, I didn't realize it until later in my career. Um, but, you know, I became consistent with my training, you know, put my due diligence in as far as doing some personal things along the side to just to better myself as, as an individual as well as an athlete, you know, and just surrounding yourself around the game from watching it to being around, you know, other, you know, positive individuals just sort of, sort of allows you to grow within the space. And, um, and I think that's what really happened with me. So, you know, I will watch guys growing up that I just want to replicate or or be like them off the field as well. And, you know, that's pretty much what I did to resemble that, Um, you know, and then just finding your passion, man, outside of the the sport, you know, finding things that you like that brings you joy outside of soccer uh, that you may be, you know, you can gain some interest to and you're pretty decent at, and I think when I noticed that, always I was into sneakers and fashion. I remember back in the day, guys like in, in high school, middle school, they would get dropped off at the mall. And the whole mission is you're going to get fly and get fresh. And that's where the girls were at. You know what I mean? Early 90s, 2000s. Like, now, nah, parents would drop you off at like five. You go to the mall and you always walk over to the movies and you're just trying to pick up some honeys. But me, I was small. It was sort of aki at the time. So I'm like, nah, I'm chilling. I'm about to be on you know what I mean? The internet. So that's what happened. I was on the internet, nikeytalk.com, Uptown, Soul Collect, and I was learning about all the latest footwear. And, you know, I was talking to guys I had, you know, uh, not known, you know, uh, besides, you know, platonically over the internet. Um, you know, Celebs was on there from Wale to, you know, other cats that was in the industry at the time. And all only thing you knew was just this face behind the computer uh, profile picture. But for me, that, that brought me joy. You know what I mean? And I learned and, and understood that it could have been something that transpired after my, my football career. And then later on, when I got older in life, I realized that it was, and that's pretty much what allowed me to sort of transition. So you mentioned you got the office job. I'm assuming it wasn't into, in like in the fashion creative space. Not at all. How did it, how did you mesh like this passion that you've been working on and then you like developing on the side into like, uh, you know, what you're doing now? 
Um, and that, that didn't come until later as well. And it goes back to that component, just being consistent with it and really just pushing it. Um, I think my first job was an office job. It was at a recycling company. So I did the e-commerce. I was real savvy on the internet, you know, super tech. Um, so we essentially, my, my homeboy Corey and I, we worked in the front of the office and everything else was manual labor. So we had like contracts with the university and all the old products and whatever that we would consume and get. My job was just to sell it online. And I managed like Amazon, eBay, website, things of that nature. Did that for a year or so. And it was cool. But then I just noticed myself getting bored with it. Um, and same jobs that happened, you know, there on for the next three years, office job, e-commerce. I would be in there just making soccer balls out of paper, rubber bands and start juggling in the office like, yo, this this I can't be doing this. So it, 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 it paid a few bills for like two or three years, you know what I mean? Just and got, gave me that experience in, that, in the work industry um, just to see it from a different lens. And then I think it was like 2014, 13 or 14, when I ended up moving to Atlanta with the Silverbacks, um, didn't work out. Um, I met an individual. I went to like a sneaker con, I think it was in Atlanta. And I met an individual who was there. I know from back home in high school as a chick. Um, she had just moved. She was in the military and got relocated from like Alaska. And we had a booth. My guy, shout out to uh, Alandis, has a brand, Cake brand. He used to play uh, in UAB, went to Chicago Fire for a little bit. We were selling some of her merch and she came to the booth and was like, yo, you, you Elmo, huh? And I'm like, oh, shit, what's up, Penny? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. So we connected and you know, uh, created a relationship. Uh, we didn't really know too many people in the city because we, we weren't from there. Um, and she hit me with the ideas like, yo, you want to create a store? And I was like, hell yeah. I didn't have any like business sense behind it. I was just more like I was into the to, to the space of fashion and art and, and sneakers. So I said, what the hell? So that was when I started to pivot. It was around like 2014, I think is when it happened, 13, 14. So <clears throat> me doing the side job and this came with coming to this opportunity. The way we started was before we opened up a brick and mortar in Atlanta, we was everything was through digital. So we had a digital website and okay. we would just reach out on social media, up and coming underground, underground brands that were surfacing and uh, we would wholesale them. And it was all through online, but it came to a point where the apartment complex was just full of inventory. We had nowhere to sleep, you know what I mean? So <laughs> we would try to process orders and store inventory because we didn't have a store space and it just became too much. So we was like, yo, why not, you know, source out and reach out to a realtor for some commercial space. And then I think the next year, like 14, 15 is when we went ahead and opened up a brick and mortar which was, which is cool. It was new to me, owning your own business, um, especially in a new like terrain city of Atlanta. So, uh, but I think that it allowed me to build those relationships along the way. A lot of key individuals is doing, you know, big things in the industry. Now we still have that relationship today and that, you know, it transpired six, seven years ago. Um, so long story short, we did that for about three, three, four years. It was super amazing. Um, the store was called Curated. Curated ATL Boutique. We were located on Peter Street, which if you're from the area, you're from the Atlanta, you know where it says in the Pinnacle area, uh, neighborhoods, Castleberry Hill. Um, you know, people like Jeezy and um, Young Dro and, you know, all these artists would come down, shoot music videos. My store is literally right beside when 2 Chainz did that Ugly Sweater uh, campaign. He had a store literally right beside mine. So to see the city come out for that and just pass your store, it was, it was an amazing feeling, man. So I got a chance to get that experience. Um, meet a lot of celebrities, met Lil Uzi, Don Can't, list goes on, man. So uh, getting to do that and go to the, the trade shows in Vegas, uh, Magic, Long Beach, 
to actually meet the faces behind the brands, whether they've been like the owners or the buyers or the sellers, create some relationships, put in POs. Um, I think that's what really just had me to to see things from a different perspective. Like, yo, this is something I can see myself doing. Um, so doing that a few years, being successful for, uh, unfortunately led to demise, had some internal issues business-wise, and uh, I ended up sold my portion of the company. Um, the company ended up collapsing because whatever it couldn't sustain within the next year or so. And around that time, I think it was like 2016, um, I think the NASL had collapsed um, around those years, and it was independent leagues that was developing. Um, one of them was ASL, was American Soccer League, and I ended up signing the contract in 2016 with uh, Atlanta Futura, and uh, we ended up losing to Philadelphia Fury in the finals. Um, but that was my last year playing on a high level. And then from then, sort of transitioned to my you know retail industry with you know top flight brands like Nike. Um, so yeah, man, 2017 is when it all started. Uh, I had an opportunity with Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour with the same week they reached out. So three totally different uh, positions, three locations. I think Under Armour, they wanted to relocate me to Denver at the time. Um, and then they wanted to uh, use me to transition over to the Netherlands because they wanted to build their their space uh, of the brand in, in foreign countries. So and then Adidas was a territory sales rep in Orlando. And then Nike was this pro uh, marketing position uh, in Miami. Obviously, I took Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I remember something. I got to get back there. Yeah, whatever it takes, and it came. Yeah. So I ended up doing that, and they let me in 2017. Nice. So, at what point did free agent come along? Uh, that was probably in like 2019, 2020. And uh, what's the inspiration behind that? Yeah, man. Um, it, it's interesting. It, it's something that I, I sort of, uh, you know, pulled in my brother in. Um, he's not the guy. We're totally two different opposites. You know, we like different things. He's good at soccer. I love soccer. I was decent at it. He doesn't love soccer. He's just really good at it. <laughs> for, for context, uh, tell the people who your brother is. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Marley, man. Uh, yeah. Number number 17 was interesting. That was my number growing up. Uh, then when Wright Phillips took the 90, he ended up going from 94 to 17. So he's holding it down. He's he's with uh, Columbus Crew. I think it's his eighth season, if I'm not mistaken. First few seasons was with the Rapids. Um, and then he ended up getting traded to a few teams, Dynamo uh, under Will, William Cabrera, and then Minnesota last last year under Adrian, and now he's with uh, Columbus Crew. Yeah, but and he's yeah, man, so he's doing this season too. So shout out to for uh, sure the young, the young Hairston. Yeah, yeah. Um, so going back to your question, man, I think that didn't develop until like 2019. Um, prior to then, I was always just contracting, you know, and assisting different other guys and homies with projects on the graphics standpoint because that's what I got my degree in it was minor in art history and then I um, got my BA in um, fine arts um, so that was something I was already already knowledgeable with and now I can make some residual with it. I was just taking projects left and right so 2019 I just you know, I always wanted to have my own clothing brand and, and you know in general um, I, I think that was a point I reached like you know I really wanted to solely focus on that and stop really exert energy to so many different entities at the time and just really follow through with something. Even if it was just a passion project, occasionally I would just drop merch here and there, as you probably see, it just, I have to be fueled or something that's relevant in the industry that's going on. But I think around 19 is what really just made me want to just go wholeheartedly within the brand. So free agent, you know, was born. It's still, you know, marinating, I'd say, but be expected something soon, but it just, you know, the concept was, I was just free from the shockers of different brands. That's when I left Nike pretty much and uh, 
I was wholeheartedly just devoting myself to so many different entities. I, I just wanted to, you know, solely focus on this thing. So I was just free. That was a concept as well as it was a play to athletes, man. Just, just trying to find your passion outside of football. It's a lot of creative guys in this space, man. Shout out to my boy Warren Preval and a lot of other guys that I've done work with in the past. Um, and I think I want to get to the point where I'm able to collab with other individuals that that's similar as myself. And I think that's where a free agent uh, sort of derived uh, the irony that I, I did play a sport at one time and I'm free from that. So it all has a lot of, you know, hyperbole and, and you know, uh, creativeness behind the, the, the term. No, yeah, that's how I think I first got connected with you from mm-hmm. the work you did with free agent. I was like, yo. This stuff is sick. So, you know, it's always about, you know, showing your creative, you know, insights and experiences and, you know, not only you, but the others that do it. Like you said, Warren, who we had on the show a couple of weeks back, you know, that's what it's all about, especially, you know, someone that has played soccer and then to show their, you know, creativity from a, you know, from a black space. Mm -hmm. uh, That's the, that's the secret combo right there. So with that being said, obviously fashion, sneakers, a huge part of soccer culture, uh, you're always tapped in on what's going on from a soccer culture standpoint. Uh, what have been your favorite like brand soccer collabs to date? Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's been a few. You know, obviously Nike has the bag, so they can go out and reach out to whoever they want. Man, they're doing it right way from you know Liverpool collabs, other collabs within within the last few years. They're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as independent brands. Um, Who's doing it? It's a lot of cool guys is doing. I like LBF. Um, you know, they're doing some dope stuff right now. Yeah. I actually spoke to him earlier. He posted on my, he shot me a DM. But I like what he's doing. I like what Warren is doing. You know what I'm saying? I like independent brands like that. It's within the space. Um, I had a, a Zoom call recently with the guys at uh, Saturdays for Football and Bumpy Pitch as well. So those those are the type of guys that I like to surround myself around. Also, Rich, shout out to Rich and, and those guys over Kicks to the Pitch as well. I think, um, you know, just having that media and that outlet where you're able to cover the space, it, it just allows for more to be more engaging to individuals that may not be familiar with soccer. Um, you just sort of building that, that, that resume and that portfolio uh, where they may find something that's interesting about the sport, whether it be through products and fashion or, you know, um, or any other sort of realm of it. And I think, you know, these guys are doing it the right way. So I like to align myself within those guys for sure. Nah, that's what it's all yeah, about. Sure. Yeah, shout out to Boone too. It's the homie. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that's the homie from what are your thoughts on like, um, like maybe like streetwear and soccer colliding? So you see, you've seen like Palace and Juventus did some capital collections. Um, you know, obviously PSG and Jordan brand have a few collections together. Like, what are some of your favorites in that room? Uh, definitely JB, yeah, for sure. Me being a sneaker enthusiast and, you know, a sneakerhead in the past and just to see these lifestyle brands, a performance brand, uh, sort of have partnerships within the soccer space is pretty much what I've been trying to do for the last 10, 15 years. So I think it's dope. I think uh, it allows, like I said, more awareness to the game. You got individuals. And I remember specifically, I was at Wish Atlanta's dope boutique. If you haven't been, check it out in Atlanta. It was an autograph signing. Uh, Wale was there. It was like 2010. And funny enough, we had the same fit on. And I, I, I approached him about that. Um, we had a Barcelona jersey on, Ronaldinho, same jeans. And we both had on a pair of Yeezys. And I just thought that was hilarious. So, you know, we took a picture. It was pretty cool. But it, it for me to see that was I just knew that it was it was an opportunity for the, the sport to grow and, and, and on a domestic scale just through fashion. 
Um, so having guys like that and, you know, J. Cole and, you know what I mean, uh, Drake tapping in, I think it's just going to help the sport to grow um, and have, have sort of some longevity, to be honest. No, most definitely. Sure. So, so I, go ahead, Elle. I was going to say, um, so shifting into, you know, where you are now, like you're in marketing with Stop Can You Running, um, how did that role come about? And, you know, how does working with these established brands influence, you know, what you do with Free Agent? Yeah, man. Um, they came about top of the top this year, around like January, February. I had applied to a few other uh, corporate roles. Um, and after COVID hit, everything got stalled and delayed. A lot of people got laid off. So that sort of messed up my dreams with the particular role that I was going for. So I was still in Miami, was looking for different outlets, started doing some 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 personal work, uh, did some stuff with Black Arrow in the past. Shout out to my boy Aaron Dolores with that. Um, and then top of this year, Saucony just knocked on the door. They had a rim uh, apartment, have a role on uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, wasn't too knowledgeable about it. Didn't really know what Pacific Northwest was. I'm from the South, you feel me? So they told me, I did my research and I noticed it was over there on the other side of the world. Uh, and then I just took the chance, man. Uh, it's been, so far it's been a pretty good experience, man. Great company. You know, they, they assisted with the relocation. And I think me coming into an underdog brand like Saucony um, has just allowed me to sort of grow. Within, within the brand itself, provide some new, fresh ideas. Uh, just because it's one of the oldest brands in the world. I think they were established like the early 1800s or 1890, if I'm not mistaken, in that time period. Um, but they've been a little bit stagnant within their, their mantras and, and some of the things that they wanted to do as a, holistically as a brand. So I think to get new energy within that has allowed me to sort of assist with that process. Um, so that's pretty much when it kicked off top of this year. So I've only been with this brand Probably like maybe seven months, eight months now. Uh, I was working remotely for a few months prior to me transitioning to Portland. And now I'm over here. So it's been a good journey thus far. So out of all the cities you've lived in, best pickup in terms of soccer? Because I know you guys do the offseason Mississippi pickups. He gives yeah. you tennis, But you lived in Miami, now you're in the uh, Pacific Northwest. So how would you rank them? Um... I think home, man. Like it's, it's just cream of the crop, and we're all fighting for the title just to see guys you haven't seen in a while, especially the young guys are still doing it on a high level. And to see them develop from, you know, when they were like five and six and, you know, we were training together and, and practicing together to now seeing them on this scale has just been admirable, man. You know, so me getting a chance to play against my brother will be on the same team with Marcus Epps and, and, you know, we're back home. It's always a sense of competitiveness because I can't let these young guys be, you know, outshine me on the field. You know, it's cameras around, it's chicks around, so I'm like, nah. And, and just performance-wise in general, man, these guys are elite. And I think me coming out this space in, this, in, the, in a small town like that, I think it was pretty cool because it just allowed for more eyes to sort of, you know, be exhibited on this particular club. And I think more black owned cities and, and minority cities needs that love because there's so many talented players that goes overlooked just because it's not a, a huge hub for, you know, like the New York's and the LA. So I think that's pretty much what drove me to, you know, partner up with Black Arrow just to share those stories uh, for more, uh, you know, individuals like myself. So I have to say, you know, I had to ring it back at the crib, Mississippi for sure. And then next, Atlanta was, was quality. I played a lot at the Silverbacks part, a lot of pickup leads, Spanish lead, and they, that's actually how I met Warren. I didn't know him prior to. It was just, saw an ad on Instagram. It was like, yo, top ballers, MLS is going to be at this park. And I'm like, man, I'm about to go. Like, yeah, I'm about to show yeah. these guys what's up. I don't play at high level no more, but I'm about to go see what's up. And me and Warren was playing against each other, and I remember we were battling. Now I'm 
every time I got the ball, I'm going directly at him. And that's how that relationship started. He said, yo, you playing? I'm like, nah, not anymore. And from then, we just kept the relationship, uh, you know, since then. Um, so I would have to say Atlanta, but Miami, obviously, with the Latin flair and, and the culture there is so rich. So it's literally football fields everywhere. You know, yeah. every block, every corner is futsal or some type of pickup pick up space where you're you know, able to go out there and play. And I think that's what we were lacking in Mississippi. Everything we had was the concrete jungle, just football and basketball fields, you know what I mean, courts uh, where Miami, they sort of renovated those spaces and turned it directly to soccer. So um, it was tit for tat, definitely Atlanta, Miami for sure next up, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So you so you coming up, coming up in Jackson, you know, you have like Jackson State um, and they have a, you know, pretty solid women's team. Uh, mm-hmm. How important do you think like HBCU soccer is to kind of help and facilitate the growth of the game in the black community? Yeah, man, I think it's uh, nah, wholeheartedly, man, I agree with that. And I, I think it's important, man, not necessarily just soccer, just in sports in general. I think we need more individuals like ourselves to, to go back and, you know, record back over there to those HBCUs just because a lot of the times what the, the ideology is, is, you know, as an athlete, a top athlete, only thing that we know is we have to go D1 or PWI to end up making it to the next ranks, which sucks. When you look back into the early 70s and 80s, a lot of those guys from Jerry Rice and, you know, Dion, they went to HBCUs and they made it, you know, to the to the place they are right now. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those university doesn't sustain and have men's departments. Because um, if I, you know, I got opportunity at Howard, but like I said, I was sold on this dream where I have to go to this PWI in order to make it, then I end up shooting it down. But I think if those conversations were to be had a little bit more regularly. And, and you know, um, I think we could convert that and, you know, change that, that, that mentality behind it. So to have, you know, more individuals like myself to go back, and even if it's just doing a, a speakeasy or just to go back and, and, you know, have an introduction with the team itself and the, and, and the coaching staff, I think that's important uh, just to show that, you know, it, it's important that we need to have these HBCUs conversations in order to bridge that gap for sure. So shout out to Dion for what he's doing right now with the football um, team. They're, they're, they're killing shit, if you guys haven't noticed. Nah, they're, doing sure. yeah. they're, doing it, they're doing it heavy. Word, word. So I, I'm excited to see what that's going to bring just to other HBCUs by itself. Yeah. So let's jump into some rapid fire uh, questions real quick. Um, so dream dream collab uh, for free agent. Like if you had an opportunity to collab with any brand, who would you collaborate with for free agent? Um... Ooh, that's interesting. Five years ago, it would probably been like a high-end brand. Uh, it would have probably been something like LV on a Virgil tip. But, you know, and I appreciate I like what he's doing for the culture. He's he, he's he's bridging that gap, super hybrid, which wasn't seen years ago. Um, but I, I'm, I'm so street with it, man, that I have to keep it in, in, that, in that space. So um, maybe like... It's tough. It'd have to be with one of the guys, man. I had to keep it a buck. Yeah, it had to be with like somebody like Ewo and Warren, man. Yeah, like I can say he's Nike and Adidas, but like, you know, that that's super cliche, you know. So I like to see other individuals within that space to help grow together, man. Nah, I love that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's That's a great answer. I'm about to get a two cents collab then. Um so next one. If you could be creative director for any brand outside of your own. What would it be? Oh, off top, uh, either Jordan Brand or NBA, uh, New Balance for sure. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I'm an advocate of Jordan, obviously. I, I like him as an individual, his brand, his legacy, everything. So I, I like to align myself underneath the Jordan brand uh, umbrella. And New Balance, they're, they're doing a lot of big things in the industry. It's one of those smaller brands also that, you know, over the last few years, they didn't really get their just due. But now with the collabs that they're doing, Kawi and Joe Freshka, shout out to my guy Joe from Chicago, I think it's awakening a lot of people to, to the brand itself. So I think um, I can go over there and turn it up. All right, yeah. cool. I got two questions for Rapid Fire as well. Uh, five aside, Mississippi edition, who you picking? Who you rocking with? Oh, off top, my brother, Marlon Harrison, Marcus Epps. I'm going to have to do Kellen Gully. I'm going to have to do who's another guy. Ooh, you put me on the spot. It's crazy because I chose three guys that's from the 94 age group and none from my team. Um, I'm going to have to say Ryan Epps, which is Marcus' older brother, which is interesting. A lot of people don't know about him, but he was the best player I've probably played with ever. Okay. You know, um, he, he was probably the one that we looked besides Andrew Wright. Um, to go pro in Europe. Um, two two dope individuals. Andrew Wright, you guys probably need to get him on there. Dope cat. He He's in Texas right now. Uh, he's doing some stuff with um, the Dortmund Academy on the coaching staff, but he played at Wake Forest as well. Um, and he was a super talented guy. At like 14, 13, they wanted to ship him overseas as a goalkeeper. But he hated playing goalkeeper, getting calls with the national team, everything. He was like 6'3 at the time. He just didn't like playing keeper. Um, he ended up going to striker, right? He, and then, you know, he got picked up by Wake Forest as a, as a, a striker, um, you know, had some 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 professional ram after it. And now he's coaching staff over there in, in, in Dallas. So shout out to him. And then Ryan, which is Marcus' brother, ended up getting uh, picked up at Bowling Green University. Had some ups and downs. And um, that was the extent of his career. But these guys, just watching them from, you know, the early 90s, these guys were the first ones that I noticed with left foot, you know, at 11 and 12 and seeing these guys ambidextrous at the time was, was crazy, you know, just how technical they were and so involved with the games. I sort of wanted to be around these guys and sort of, you know, modify my game based off that. So those definitely for sure five, five homies. I think we can we can compete with anybody. Perfect. I like that. I like that a lot. And then in terms of, all right, say you bring a, a USL team to uh, – Mississippi. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the first things you're doing in terms of building that 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 fan culture, that brand culture, that identity? Yeah, man. It's just going back to the drawing board, man, and instilling that richness in, in what we did as a youth, man. You know, going back to the individuals that we played alongside with and the families that supported us and let them know that, yo, we have a professional team that's in the city now. Let's see if we can get that same support. Um, I think it's always good to align so within a community atmosphere. And I think that's why a lot of people knew about us, even respected us at the time. Because like you said, soccer in, in the city was unheard of, you know. Only thing we had basketball or football. Other than that, was a lot of the negative stereotypes that was attached to the city, even to that. So playing high school and middle school soccer, you know, we made it cool to be black and play soccer. We had the hood guys at the crib that had no clue about soccer playing, just yeah. off the strength. You know what I mean? And that was like our mission. Like, yo, we can we can make this thing cool. We have the power to do it. So um, really, just you know, deep diving back into the community, man, getting those involved and building that culture and for for the support, and then. After that, migrating across the, the, the tracks and, and reaching out to the different pockets of the city. No, I love that. I love that a lot. All right. Now, what you got? All right. So um, let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show. No card, yellow card, red card. So this is a rapid fire segment of the show where I will read off some news headlines. It can be soccer related, any type of sports related, pop culture. It doesn't matter. But For we'll sure. be rating these headlines using the soccer card system. So. 
No card is, you know, I'm cool with it or I agree with it. Yellow card is I'm indifferent. I can go either way. And red card is obviously, you know, I disagree or I'm not cool with it. And you'll give a short explanation of why you gave it that card. Um, Let's do it. So we'll jump right in. Uh, Ronald Coleman is out at Barcelona. And word on the street is that Xavi will be taking the mantle as the next manager at Barca. So what card are we giving disappointment if it's true? Ooh, that's rough. Considering Xavi, man, was one of my favorite midfielders all time, obviously behind Ronaldinho. Um, he and the yes, the man, Ada Maestro. And I was actually reading articles this morning and talking to my brother and the guys in the chat about it. It's tough because as much as I love him as a player and I want to say, you know, no car, as much as success he had over in um, the Middle East, I think he still lacked a little experience on that high level, especially now that the club is in shambles and Messi's left and they're doing shitty right now. Um, I'm going to have to say, just for the love of him, yellow card. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it uh, no card. I think if they were going to do it, I know Javi had reservations of coming back to the job if like Messi was there because just like the power struggle. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what he does with like Busquets and PK and, you know, Jordi Alba, guys that you've played with. And then now you're going to coach. I know that dynamic is a little bit weird. Um, So for him to like win the locker room, I think they just got to give him time because it's going to be like a rebuilding here. So it's going to be tough. Um, But I think if anyone could do it, especially with the way Barca, um, you know, loves Javi, um, I think it's 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 a it's a good decision just to like cool cool the tempers with with what's going on right now with their season. For sure. All right, he'll definitely bring that uh that pep style back to the team. We'll see. I don't know. Cause, I mean, that, that style is a little bit, you know. See if you got the personnel to do it though. Yeah, that was the wonder years right there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up, so USL Championship Club Austin Bold will be folding at the end of the 2021 season, leaving Austin FC as the only pro soccer team in the city. So, what card are we giving this news? Like the news of Austin Bold folding. <sighs> Probably red card. You know, it sucks to have any organization club to fall in general. A lot of the guys may or may not get picked up. So that can do a lot to your confidence and, you know, just overall career. So I would hate that to happen to anyone. Uh, obviously, they want to focus on the MLS squad. And a lot of those guys may get picked up by uh, the MLS team. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it may be tough for some individuals to find their next career. So um, I'm going to have to give it a red card. Yeah, so I mean, I'm obviously connected with Austin Bulls, so I definitely would give it a red card just because, like you said, uh, Marcus, it's, it's unfortunate for some guys that may not have that opportunity um, to find a new club. So kind of uh, unfortunate for them, but uh, more so on the fact that, you know, Austin FC and Austin Bull couldn't work together in, in order to find a way to, you know, expand soccer in the Austin community. Um, it's been great to see Austin FC and, you know, the fan support that they've got. Um, but Austin is a big city, so if they can expand it and if the executive staff could have worked together, something could have happened. But uh, business is business. So move forward. That's how it goes. And that's real. That's unfortunate. All right. So last one. Lil Star Tim Weah announced his New Balance deal this week. So what card are we giving this move for him? to a brand that's away from the typical Nike, Adidas, Pumba? 
to what card are we giving Tim for his, his decision to go to New Balance? Oh, it's no card for sure. I'm a, I'm a fan of him, man. He's quality on the pitch and then his swag in general. I'm always seeing what he's doing. He and my boy Mosa King, a lot of those guys I connected with in the past. Um, I, I like what he's doing, man, as a brand himself. You know, he's really branding himself. So to align like with another dope brand that's doing good shit in the industry, MB, I think it makes sense. He'd probably have a little more creative role and, and call some shots. And, you know, it allowed him to sort of help continue that that highlight of, of merging the gap between, you know, fashion and performance brand and, and soccer itself. So I think it's a good look. So we're going no card. Yeah, I, I agree. No card. I think the marketing campaign for his announcement was really well done. Um, and like, like Marcus said, he's like creating his own lane from a brand perspective. Like he's doing things his way. And I think New Balance has given, you know, young athletes um that opportunity so we'll see if it continues and you know he doesn't want to have to compete with you know the Kristen Pulisic's the Tyler Adams the Weston McKinney's for for airtime when it comes yeah. to the uh you know brand and uh, New Balance that he can create that lane that pathway so we'll see what happens yeah shout out for that yeah speaking of brand um you know Tim plays for the, the U.S. national team um but one thing that we've always kind of discussed on this show is like where who has the potential to be that lebron figure for soccer in america you know what i'm saying like every sport has their their kind of goat or their their marquee figure when it comes to marketing mm. um who has the potential to be that for you know soccer in america or who do you uh, think i mean i think for the most part we all agree upon it i like the way that in the direction that we're going um in as as uh, a national team it's been the youngest team we've ever had the most technical and talented side we probably ever feel um the most brothers we had on a team which i'm all <laughs> in favor for whenever i see them on the side together i'm like hell yeah we needed that uh but just from a holistically from a brand perspective felicity you know what i mean he he made that, that that transition over there at a young age and he solidified his spot amongst the greats um, so I think as a whole, when you talk about U.S. national team, that's like one of the first guys that comes to mind, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pulisic's like, yeah, in terms of like that, the American boy that they're going to mm -hmm. market. Yeah, that's cool. But like in terms of like the culture, I still think we need that guy. Yeah. And you need like as much as, bad, as, much as I don't want to say, it, you need like that drama. Like, yo. Like you talked about like living in Miami, like who's gonna be courtside with like a bad, yeah, you know, who's gonna, you know, get in some drama with the media? Yeah, you don't have that in terms of soccer. It's yeah, I think that's one thing that we're lacking for sure. But you know, before then, they one of the guys that we spoke about that was highly ranked and rated, and everyone just loved was Freddie Adu. You know, yeah. good, good friend of mine as well. So uh, I think there hasn't been a Freddie Adu in the last 15, 20 years, but I think closest just from a uh, uh, Talent-wise, you know, it's Christian Paul. But, you know, if I had to go with it, I like the Tims. I like the Des. I like the West. You know, those guys that remind me of myself when I was younger. And it's good to see, you know, um, them being included in these topics of conversation. So, nah, yeah. yeah. Weston was dabbling for a minute when it comes to the bad boy role. You know, the yeah, fighter yeah. role, he plays on the team, but like, yeah, I like it. But you know, stay focused. Still, you know what I'm saying? It's still a little early, man. You don't want to yeah. mess up the bag, and you know, exactly, don't sure. mess up the bag. But yeah, there's a way to do it. You know? Yeah, get that money first, then get, get a little crazy. Yeah, Especially him that, being born here. Yeah, and then going over to Europe versus like you know somebody like Tim, Tim. or you know Serginho, yeah, who, like, grew up in Europe or grew up on that mm -hmm. side of the world. And just playing on a national team, like somebody who's like homegrown, um, 
you know, you'll see them in the offseason here. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need somebody like that yeah. who can be yeah. like, like doing them Benzema type figure. videos and stuff, you know? Where? Yeah. 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 I'm a fan for all of that. I think the content is king. And like I said, it's just about understanding your, your, your clientele and just, you know, creating that image. Yeah. We'll see who comes out, you know. But shout out to Paul, though, and shout out to the other guy. Nah, facts. But as a as a marketer, do you put that on the player or do you put that on the the brand that they're with, or is it uh, a little bit of both? A lot of the players may not have that that knowledge and that sense of creativity. Perfect example, my brother, he hates social media. I try to tell him every day you should brand yourself like that. College kids <laughs> getting endorsements now, like yo, I'm like if I. If, if that was a thing when I was in college, I would be lit. 200K followers, all that. You know what I mean? But, like, he's, that's just not the space that he's in. He's focused on the game and just, you know, making a, a life for himself, out, you know, through the career. Um, so I think it goes hand-in-hand. Some of the players understanding that, well, as well as, like, their PR team and their agent letting them know, like, yo, you can't play this game forever, so let's let's do something outside of the sport to help you get those endorsement deals that could get some, you know, you can monetize this thing. Yeah, sure. I hit the nail on the head right there. So, Mo Bucks, Marcus, how can people connect with you? We appreciate you taking the time uh, if they want to connect with you. They follow if they want to follow free agent, you know, some of the stuff that you got going on in the works. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I will get my number out. There's a lot of weirdos in the world. So (laughs) we're going to do this. My direct email, you can hit me on my Saucony email, uh, marcus.harrison at saucony.com. Again, it's marcus.harrison at saucony.com. Or just follow me on social for the most part. Everything is like mo.bucks, mo.bucks. Um, through that, you can find links directly to freeagent.us. Um, like I said, right now it's marinated under construction, but hopefully very soon you guys get a little sneak peek of what we got going on. Nah, you heard it here sure. first. Appreciate you for real, for real. Yeah, no um, doubt, man. I appreciate L, you guys bringing me on. L, you got anything before I close this out? Uh, nah, go ahead. All right. So uh, thank you once again, Marcus, for getting on our show. Uh, it's a blessing, you know, your unique story. We try to get these unique stories because um, anyone can get an athlete on here. Anyone can get, you know, um, someone that's been on a podcast week after week. But, you know, to hear you, your unique background, uh, we really appreciate you. So that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on all the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at Two Cents Sports.shop. As you can see, L is rocking our fall cozy season collection. Make sure you check that out. And if you enjoyed the show, consider dropping us a donation using the link in the description. It helps support the show. Um, it helps support the costs associated with the show. It helps us continue to get wonderful guests that you may not have heard about. And then tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. Um, that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll catch you guys every Friday. Peace. Peace out.